This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. With me today, of course, it's Hans, who was begging, begging on his knees, praying for the death of one John Leguizamo only earlier today on Twitter.com, if I saw it correct. You saw my tweet? I saw your tweet. I retweeted it. Oh, yeah. I'm not begging. I just, if it happens, I won't be sad, I guess. You said in all capitals, (laughs) please die, John Leguizamo, at John Leguizamo. Well, that's not begging that's uh praying for for his demise it's directed to god i'd god please kill johnny don't say that it's youtube (laughs) after all hey we've got a special guest on the program tonight we have a very talented up-and-coming filmmaker we have jay curtis miller jay curtis miller how are you doing this evening you're on mute right now so you're gonna have to unmute the button before you speak uh there we go how's it going tonight pretty good sorry about that no worries. Uh, my cat might like jump on the table like a few times during the show. So I think he unmuted me for a second. So yeah, I did see you had a a you know black entity ob- obscuring your your camera there for a moment. The audience yeah. couldn't see that, but I saw it. Cool. It might happen again. All right. Uh, Hans is frozen, or he's just very happy this evening. He's very uh, smugly grinning. I don't know if you can see that he's but uh the film we're talking about tonight is john borman's deliverance and this was on your list of films uh to potentially discuss for this show and i think john borman is a great and certainly nowadays underrated director as as far as his filmography goes he's got quite an eclectic career as a uh, kind of studio hire for these uh you know specifically it seems like warner brothers films uh or his hang up uh, yeah. and deliverance is probably the crowning achievement of his career um so what is what is it about what are your thoughts on john borman as a director and what is it about deliverance for you that you feel like there's something in there that's worth delving into um i honestly didn't i don't think i had seen a john borman film up until I saw Deliverance, which is just a few years ago. I think I watched it like during the pandemic or like on the tier end of the pandemic. And I just like, I hadn't gotten around to it yet. And I, during the whole like COVID lockdown, I was just immersing myself in kind of seventies gritty, like thriller um, type of genre movies. And then I, I watched this, um, but before I get into Deliverance, I like, I, I hadn't seen it. Um, I like I didn't even know who John Borman was, and then a friend of mine recommended uh, Point Blank, and I watched that for the first time last year, and it was, um, I thought it was incredible. It's like one of the few like s- movies from the late '60s that feels like kind of um, modern, like right now in terms mm-hmm. of editing and storytelling and like sound effects, um, like sound design and stuff. So like. There's so, but there was something about Deliverance that kind of like, it's just one of like the few movies of like, of any decade that kind of like, um, hooks you from the very like first frame all the way to the very end, and that's what I kind of like appreciated about it. Um, and I actually have, I've been avoiding Exorcist two for a long time, uh, just because I the exorcist is probably my favorite movies of all time and i still haven't gotten around to that but i know that's like a whole other story and um i actually haven't seen much of his other stuff but like 
Deliverance and Point Blank for me are like huge standouts. Now I I know you uh you have a VHS copy at least of Halloween Ends. Uh do you have any sort of expectations positive or negative for David Gordon Green's upcoming what did they call it? Hans, what is the title of the new Exorcist movie? It's like uh, Exorcist Prayer Circle or something like that. I don't know. There's two girls possessed in this movie. So that's different. Uh what do you what do you are you looking forward to it at all, Jay? I wasn't looking forward to it until I saw Halloween ends. So now I'm looking forward to it. Did you, were you not on board with Halloween kills when David Gordon Green took, when he diverted into what he wound up doing with both of those features? Were you not on board with that? Uh, I wasn't on board with the first one just because I felt like it was really, um, like tonally just really off for me. And, um, I didn't like the comedy at all. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw Halloween Kills, I was like, it felt like an action movie, which I enjoyed, but I, it just kind of felt like, I mean, I I like it enough, but I kind of felt like it was a little trashy. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw like Halloween Ends and I was kind of like, I wasn't interested in it because I just felt like continuing whatever story they were trying to do with Kills wasn't particularly interesting. Um. But I, when I found out that they weren't going with that direction um, and I started kind of like getting into like forums and like YouTube channels, like covering the making of Halloween ends, I was pretty like on board because it felt really different. And then for me, like, I mean, Halloween ends is kind of a mixed bag, but I really like it as far as like a cohesive story. Mm -hmm. It's a mixed bag as far as the cohesive story, but um, the opening scene for me was like, it solidified any sort of like um, direction that David Gordon Green could do with horror. Cause I honestly, up until then, I didn't feel like he was like, he just couldn't construct like a good horror scene, if that makes sense. Like, I just felt like this, I, he, it felt like he had more control in ends and he had like more of like a stamp on it. I, think. I agree with that. And I love Halloween kills, but Halloween kills is kind of messy at yeah. the same time and, you know he made the the very safe and i don't think it was necessarily like the safe thing to do at the time but it was certainly the desired thing to do at the time within like the horror community and that whole faction of fans to do what he did with halloween 2018 and that obviously i feel like that set a bad precedent with a lot of these horror hey we're rebooting it and we're going to use the same time like they all came out in total sequence copying that formula of 2018 Halloween. And then I think he was so on the money to just completely disregard anyone's expectations or hopes for what those sequels would be and yeah. turning it into a conventional trilogy by taking Halloween kills and making that just a weird eastbound and down style, uh, righteous gemstones, vice principal style comedy, and then yeah. hopping into Halloween ends and just doing like a soft remake of Christine. You yeah. Know? Uh, which I, I really love both of those movies just as movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as Halloween sequels, they're so peculiar and full of character that they're probably at the top of the list for me as far as my favorites go. Like, obviously, people have come around to... It used to be Season of the Witch. Now, everyone's favorite sequel yeah. is Season of the Witch. Now, it's not so yeah. interesting to, to say that, you know? So, But I'm inclined to uh, like those two regardless. And I still think Season of the Witch is pretty good. Um, but it's, yeah... Uh, the Exorcist Believer is what the movie's called. 
mm. with David Gordon Greenwood. I know you asked okay. like five minutes ago. And you you must be a believer to pray for the death of John Leguizamo. <laughs> that's so dark, Hans. Dark Hans. That's what that's what we're gonna call you. That's that's you whenever you have the lights off in your home. It's my, dark Hans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you, you're you're agnostic then to exorcist believer. It sounds like Jay. Um, I don't know. I have. I I honestly don't know what to expect. I don't. I feel like you don't really need. The Exorcist really never needed a sequel to it, mm. except for Legion Exorcist Three. Obviously, like that's kind of like a, um, uh, like kind of like good. I don't know that that sequel worked, but I, I'll just have to see a trailer and then I'll just have to see the movie for myself. Did you ever see uh, the Ninth Configuration? Yeah. What'd you think yeah. about that? I that's like a fascinating weird movie. Um I watched that for the first time earlier this year and it was like I don't know, it was so tonally it was so jarring, but it would, I liked like almost every bit of that movie. Um so yeah, I'd, it'd be interesting if they ever like remade that or I don't know, if they if he takes like some inspiration from that novel or that uh that sequel or that um sorry uh that movie into yeah. this but i don't know it um, seems oh go ahead hans i've never seen the ninth configuration but why is there a, a black man dressed like superman with an n on his chest <laughs> why, why do you think hans it's because of the ninth listen, configuration right yeah, number nine. yeah that's right yeah. The number nine uh it takes place in like a, a psychiatric prior it's the richard prior album right mm -hmm. is it is that the I cover? Can't, can't say the title. Do you know the title of that? Yeah, Richard I know the Pryor? title you're, you're talking okay. about. I thought that's what, yeah, that's what he wears. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Richard Pryor was in Superman 3. No, but the, the cover of yeah, the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, oh, okay. we know, Hans. We know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I've Did, just never you didn't, seen you it. Didn't, one of the first images was just this man wearing a Super N suit. This what I'm man? Curious. Anyway. Yeah. So we're we're talking about Deliverance Night. Now, I would actually recommend you check out Exorcist 2, The Heretic, because I think it's a very peculiar and interesting fantasy film more than anything else. And it doesn't really do anything to surprise. I, I feel like none of the Exorcist sequels have managed to chip at the legacy of that first and really the only real Exorcist movie because it accomplishes so much it's just a, a, like a an exceptional piece of American filmmaking uh, that every every installment that comes after you kind of just have to and it, it, maybe it helps that the tone of every single sequel has been completely different from all the rest. Like Exorcist Two plays out like a fantasy film. It's almost like a very dark, the never-ending story or something like that. And Exorcist Three, I feel, is more of like a psychological crime. Thrill, especially if you watch the original cut of that, it plays so different. And then you get into the Paul Schrader one, which is very Nazi Germany and you're in Africa and it's high concepts and it doesn't really work. And the unfinished CG at the end pulls the rug out from beneath any sort of investment that's built with that. And then the Rennie Harlan version is just, that's not great. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, I'm interested, but I'm like, we probably don't need this. If he's going to do more of what he did with those last two Halloween movies and just completely disregard 
any sort of, hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta listen to the foundation here and continue that track. If he decides to do something like that, then uh, I'm fully interested. But if he does attempt to ape what he did with Halloween 2018, I think we're good. I don't think we need that sort of revered, oh, hey, we're back. Look, it's 90-year-old yeah. Ellen Burstyn. She can hardly that's, stand up. That's why I, That's why I'm kind of hesitant, because it kind of feels like it's just a retread of 2018 mm-hmm. Halloween. Um, and going back to like Halloween ends, that was like the first time he felt, or I felt like he was confident behind the camera and what story he was telling. Because like there's he hired like new writers and I think he like found like a, like kind of like a window where he could tell like a story that meant something to him. I just with like being hired to direct like Halloween 2018, it's just, it felt more like a studio, like mandate, mm-hmm. like bring back Jamie Lee Curtis, bring back all these people and mm-hmm. just retread the whole, it's basically H2O, but I kind of think H2O does it a little bit better. Like that movie is very like dated in terms of nineties, but like it made more sense for like Laurie Strode's character to kind of be a recluse, change her identity and like try to suppress all that stuff instead of just being like, it's been 40 years and I'm just, I've never stopped thinking about it. Even Mm -hmm. though she, he killed like two of my friends, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm not saying that's not horrific, but I don't know. It's, a it's little not bit that more... horrific, yeah. It's not 40 years yeah. <laughs> holding onto a grudge horrific, right? Yeah. What are you talking about? Everybody in Halloween Kills gathered around every year to talk about their Michael Myers stories. Because oh, yeah. he was, you know, what did he do? He killed like one girl 55 years ago, 70 years ago. He yeah. killed a lady. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then they have like a little shindig at a bar where what's his name what's the actor's name uh anthony michael hall damn they should bring him back for exorcist (laughs) seven whatever the hell this one is one of the god he rules yeah he he should be he should be (laughs) absolutely is it gonna be a trilogy exorcist or is it just oh yeah they signed on for three so they're they're probably gonna do that just like a kind of a reboot remake for the first one and then retread and then you get the interesting ones for the the two sequels i maybe want like Another thing that I feel like is hurting this movie is just the abundance of Exorcist movies too. Mm. Um, like you said it earlier, like uh, the Exorcist just did it the like the best way, and there's like no aping off of that. I mean, if people have, but there's just no, you can't recreate that like magic in a bottle. Yeah, and like I don't know, there's like a there's a trailer of this Russell Crowe movie I saw the recently. Post- oh, Exorcist. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's like i i don't know i just don't think you can it's just such a tired genre in a way if he if he finds a way to like revamp it make it fresh and new like i'll be on board but i am a little pessimistic i guess i'll I still think see it but. the reason why the exorcist works as a as a very scary movie is because it doesn't operate as a horror movie. It takes itself very seriously as like a like, like a, a drama, essentially a psychological drama, family drama, and the stakes in it feel significant, even if it's just you know one little girl. And you know, the, obviously, the practical effects and everything like that are they it sells it all the more. And something you don't get when you watch The Exorcism of Emily Rose or The Last Exorcism is you kind of know all the tricks by now. They're all taking Mm -hmm. a version of what that was and doing a more convenient version of it. 
and it's easier to see all the seams in that and uh it's it doesn't play the same way also i i just don't know if exorcist movies are really all that spooky now this is not like a, a, nearly as much of a religious country as it yeah. once was in 1973 so for that you know the audience that's going to show up to that movie probably doesn't take the idea of demons seriously or possession seriously right and so it's already this foreign concept there's a wall there and it's not gonna impact in the same way go ahead hans it's also how many times have they tried to revive this exorcism genre too right what 2010 ish there was another attempt at a revival with that last exorcism movie that you you mentioned there's that devil inside movie that had like a spooky trailer and then it was just really bad mm -hmm. uh, and i remember that there was just i don't know like five six movies that came out around that time uh 2010 from 20 to 2015 ish where they tried to make that a thing again but like you said like the the religious angle it doesn't really hit that hard anymore so it's kind of like oh, okay well there's a someone could contorsing on a bed that's creepy yeah. i guess it doesn't really it's never going to have the effect that it had you know back in when the, when the original came out where people were what passing out and throwing up in the theater and, and losing their minds but yeah, uh yeah. it just it just feels like I, I don't know like who who's i guess horror horror fans that like everything horror will be the ones going to this but the, i don't i don't think there's that that interest for that that type of audience that are going to be you know losing their mind of how scary this is and is are they even going to go far with it are they even going to take like I, I can't even think uh the last time i saw a horror movie that left me shocked because of something they did you know so it, that that's why i feel like the the original one still has a little bit of impact because the time it came out and, and how it was the first one to do that type of thing but then I'm not a huge fan of the sequels, and and uh, I even tried watching that TV show that came out a couple of years oh, ago. Oh God! Why would you do just, that? You're yeah. just that that desperate for and what, yeah. what was his name? Ty West film. It was yeah. It was not. It was not good. So, I guess we'll wait and see what David Gordon Green does with it. But I'm not really holding. My I feel breath. like if there's anybody who's capable of making in, at least an interesting Exorcist sequel, it's probably him. All of his yeah. movies before uh halloween ends you would never get the impression this would be a guy who would be so into horror and be interested in touching up those properties uh do you have any thoughts on him just as a director outside of those films um i, I don't know i was talking to a friend the other day about david gorgreen and he seems like um he seems like where Sean Baker would be if Sean Baker was given like studio movies. Like mm. he he's fairly interesting. Um, I've seen George Washington. I've obviously seen like Pineapple Express um, and some of his other comedies. I can't even those are kind of weird when you think about his early filmography and then also the films he does around those. Like you wouldn't assume this same guy would be making the Seth Rogen Judd Apatow. Uh, film like th that era of filmmaking or the fact that he yeah. directed so many episodes of Eastbound and Down and Vice yeah. Principals and uh, Righteous Gemstones. So I, I don't know. His career is just so spread out. But sorry to cut you off. Continue. No, um, I was I was just going to say the only other like indie drama that I've seen from him that I thought was pretty uh, uh, like pretty good was Joe, that Nicolas Cage movie he did. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of felt like a precursor to Mandy 
it was one of those like it was one of those like movies that Nicolas Cage did in the height of his uh red box era mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I get some I get something like like a I get a decent script and and with all this trash um and that was like before his like official comeback I don't even know if, what you would consider his official comeback would be but i think it was mandy because he was yeah. doing like the left behind remake like big budget left behind remake around the same time he was doing joe and yeah. joe was the one diamond in the rough for that period of time yeah. he was doing like knowing i think was the movie he was doing like oh. a post-apocalypse films and then yeah. there's like a really rough period to tread but mandy i think yanked him out of that yeah mandy's like that's like one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years but Mm. um joe felt like it came out like around the time mud did and it felt like the equal kind of like indie drama like backwoods like blue collar type movie i thought i thought that was really good and that kind of like when i got like heard the news that like he was doing a halloween (laughs) like reboot sequel i was like that's so bizarre but i was like well at least he can do like kind of grounded gritty drama and um i haven't seen much of his stuff he's very eclectic like i think the movie he did before um the halloween movies was some movie with jake gyllenhaal he where it's like stronger uh, yeah yeah it's just like weird choices i don't know like he's all he's kind of all over the place mm. um that one I, in particular was so like that came out i believe the same year as one or two other boston bombing films i was in patriots day and that one everyone thinks is the best one i agree uh stronger was kind of boring for david gordon green it's like a very quiet small character piece and they dumped it direct to dvd and streaming instead of giving it like a big rollout and i i remember watching it in a hotel on a laptop and i was just like yep this feels like the appropriate setting for this kind of movie is just uh forgotten hey you need something to watch it's either this or the hotel's fox news or cnn yeah mm. one thing i do like about david gordon green which is kind of similar to sean baker's he's really good at picking like non-actors to be in his movies yeah um there's usually like some or if they're not if they're not non-actors they're just like kind of like local theater actors that like he picks um there's like so many of those in like i mean just because they're off they're top of mind in the halloween movies like um uh cory's dad and like halloween ends he's just like an a oh like yeah an atypical actor to pick in like a halloween movie mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you like get this experience but like whenever you're searching for like actors online and they all just look like they're trying to be in a disney plus show like their headshots and he's really good at just like kind of picking like obscure looking or just interesting looking characters that you know um you might see at a dive bar or something you're in tennessee right so you probably get like a different kind of crop of what that you know if you're logging on backstage or actors access and you're you know sifting through people's auditions or their profiles or resumes you know you see enough people where there's like these certain generic looks that just keep coming up i feel like in new york there's a certain uh almost like chiseled ish mediterranean like very generic handsome kind of look sure you know that comes up a lot and you see that guy often appearing in like 
you know, doing background or doing small roles and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so like I, a, the I, handsome worker at a pita shop. At a pita shop. <laughs> yeah, or like a kebab shop. And it's okay. like, oh, there's the handsome one here. He's an actor. Yeah, but he oh, well, washes dishes here. Do they even wash dishes? In this they never wash dishes at the pita shop. Uh, but no, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you, so you, you're, you liken him to Sean Baker. How do you feel about Sean Baker? And do you have a favorite Sean Baker film? Because he's somebody I came around to kind of late. Uh, with Red Rocket, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I like Tangerine and I like the Florida Project and I wasn't familiar with his earlier work, like take, <clears throat> excuse me, like Takeout um, before checking out Red Rocket and that movie won me over. I thought that was, uh, you know, well-made piece of film and I decided to go back to all the other ones and it enhanced my opinion of Tangerine and also made me really enjoy Takeout. And I haven't seen, I believe he directed a film called Starlet which I, I haven't watched. That's the one of his I haven't seen. Well, I've only, I've, I bought Takeout. Um, I think I listened to a show that you were in that uh, discussed that movie. I can't remember the, um, what that was called, but it like, interested me enough to buy it. Mm -hmm. um, that was Flea Pit After Dark with okay. Jeremy Brown. Cool. Um, I think he's probably like, not like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I think there's so many overrated filmmakers working today, and I just feel like he's not in the limelight enough. Like his just every time his movie comes out recently, like Red Rocket would like top my list as far as like something. It just felt like he's really good at pulling really great performances out of like A-list actors mixed with non-actors. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I think he shot... Um, red rocket on super 16 and it just gives it a really good gritty filmic look and like i don't know he just seems like he tries to like go for it when like most people play it safe even though he, his stories are just fairly slice of life they're still like he's still able to like write like a genuinely good like kind of arc to his movies like like surprising in a way like near the end of red rocket i just wasn't expecting to go in that direction um with the whole like uh like car wreck on like a highway and he's like being hunted like i wasn't expecting mm -hmm. that and the fact that he could pull that off on like such a small budget and just like again like just kind of like a traditionally a drama movie i thought i, I don't know he's just i'm always like interested in what he's up to i, I think he's been like i've been following him on like twitter and instagram for a while um it seems like he's wanting to make like a genre like i don't know like if it'd be a thriller or like a horror movie um but it it seems like those are the type of movies he gravitates towards so it'd be interesting to see if he could like make one of those soon i'd be interested to see what he could create with a budget especially since he like you were saying he has some weird casting picks both as far as like known actors and unknown actors yeah, it's, he's also very good at, at uh, just small stories of very flawed. I don't want to say unlikable, but very flawed characters that uh, you wouldn't think would get, you know, that main character role, and they they work for that reason because they're very flawed and very non-perfect. Uh, and uh, when it comes to modern directors, I think 
even though his movies are small and uh, it seems like the last thing he directed was a Taco Bell commercial. So good for him for getting that money. But, uh, but, uh, wow, that's his big budget venture is the Taco Bell <laughs> commercial. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, he's, yeah, he's very good at, at just unlikable, non-perfect characters, uh, and in very small, you know, nothing, not, not a huge story of success, not a huge, uh, unrealistic story of, uh, you know, someone, uh, coming from nothing and, and making it huge but instead it's just like a slice of life from from a character that really has not much going on and it doesn't really get to do much either so it's just like a yeah like a slice of life uh flawed uh small town usually character that that uh has a very very nice texture to his films and the characters are always interesting i think for for that reason yeah he's really good at like um I think he lives in LA, but he's really good at like immersing himself in like whatever location his story is set in, like in whether it's like Texas or Florida, he's just really good at just showing like the not pretty side of all those small towns and like showing the dark and depraved sort of like surroundings. I don't know. I I don't feel like enough directors do that sort of thing and there he goes so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also i think it's also interesting because he doesn't try to put a an la light to that and, and yeah. what i mean by that is that uh i don't remember where red rocket is based but it's it's like a small town southern if i remember correctly it, yeah it's like a really small town in texas like in the middle of it like middle but of nowhere he, pretty much. but instead of doing the Okay. Instead of doing the Hollywood thing of like, well, it's a small town, so we're just going to do a caricature of it and make fun of it. He's just, this is just the setting and this is the world where they exist. And, and it, it makes it more realistic, I guess, and more uh, appealing instead of, of uh, putting it through that lens of uh, irony. And instead he's like, well, this is a small town. This is how small town people live and this is how they behave. And this is the reality instead of trying to, you know, make fun of it and, and just use that modern day irony that I don't really enjoy that yeah. much. <laughs> well, you know what movie's got a bunch of weird looking freaks in it is Deliverance, the yeah. film of the evening tonight from John yeah. Borman. Uh, you know, he directed what I believe is a favorite of yours, Hans. He directed uh, Zardoz. Yes. Uh, which which is, uh, you tried to get us to watch on Civic TV <laughs> and it lost the popular vote to yeah. something like The Birds 2 or yeah. some, something really horrible. Yeah, Kick it's Asio. just like a just a weird, you know, uh, acid sci-fi movie. Uh, and it's it seems like that's the movie that he did after Deliverance, which is it's funny because it's the complete opposites, I think, of... Mm -hmm. of uh, filmmaking this deliverance is so grounded and so real i guess and then you have zardoz that's just like an acid trip like a weird but that that kind of fits with his mo afterward especially with exorcist 2 which was the first john borman film we discussed but he also did excalibur he's got a couple of known quantities under his belt as far as film goes in the 1970s i mean this movie deliverance uh you know it it probably allowed him a number of big studio opportunities that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise because it was nominated for best picture he got a best director nomination as well 
Uh, yeah. Be, um, have you yeah. guys seen Cabaret, by the way? Yeah. I, I was, uh, okay. I've never, never seen it, but I, I can't imagine like a Liza Minnelli movie being better than, than this. So is that one of those years where. Ooh, I didn't know Cabaret was... beat Deliverance. What was the, what were the nominees that year? Cabaret is I think good, it was, I think but... it was Godfather yeah. that won that year. Let me pull it's it up. I have 72. What do we got? It must have been. I feel like every 1970s year for nominations is probably stacked, but uh, I'm very curious to see what the the winner was, or what the nominees were rather. Uh, Godfather, Deliverance, Cabaret, The Emigrants, and Sounder. Okay, sure I actually haven't heard of the last two. Yeah, no. Um, Liza Minnelli won Bob Fosse won Best Director uh, over Francis Ford Coppola and John Borman for Cabaret that's why I was like really never even heard of this movie before yeah and... Bob Fosse is uh, I think he's an EGOT I'm pretty sure he won all four major awards and two of them were in the same year and it was during his time Bob Fosse's great Bob Fosse's kind of slept on as far as directors go i think he's dismissed because he's a musical guy but uh all his musicals are dark we've covered bob fossey before he did star 80 that was his final film okay so it's cabaret, cabaret like like star 80 kind of yeah cabaret is not what you're expecting cabaret to be cabaret is kind of dark and uh it yeah no it's good it's good you, I think people think of cabaret and they think of Chicago. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I see Liza Minnelli and I think, no, thank you. So I guess, <laughs> so I guess, I guess that's, that's why I'm like, why did that? You should watch one? the Liza Minnelli special he directed and won an Emmy for. That's what you should watch and report back she, to us. Does she sing? Of course she What's, sings. I don't really know what she does. I, I know her mostly from Arrested Development. That's that's what I've seen her. She was on Arrested Development? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She plays like this uh, neighbor that uh, the mentally challenged son has like an affair with type of thing. Oh, hold on a second. You're making note of like a black guy wearing an N on his shirt. And you say mentally, ch you can't say retarded son. <laughs> You're being PC I now, can. 39 I mean, I minutes can. into the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. I should be PC in the first five minutes, right? So we don't get Yeah, that made no then... sense. Anyway. Oh, well. Well, I'm not so... actually going to say the word. I'm not going to say super, you know, Well, no one, nine. No one you had to. <laughs> I'm just making a point here. It's kind of, uh, kind of redundant, you know? Uh, what do you think about Burt Reynolds without a trademark mustache in this film? His face feels incomplete to me. But it, I think it works for his character, but it still feels incomplete to me. Yeah, it feels... I don't know if it works. I think he always needed that mustache, but I, I think it. You're right. It kind of does work for this character and those those sideburns too. They're kind of like. I think it's I the, the fact that John Voight has a mustache in this movie, mm -hmm. but yeah. what what you realize is without his mustache, it draws more attention to his like very high hairline. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it's much more like just moon face. So it's, yeah. yeah. And he's guess, kind of, I think his character arc is so interesting because he's kind of taken out of commission and he's not the guy you would assume that that would happen to. I don't know if his career became what it was quite yet. I feel like this was probably early on, but.
But uh, yeah. It's funny. I, w- I was like, uh, sorry. Um, no, no, go ahead. You're good. I was listening to like some of the behind the scenes stuff. And the only person that had like actually got into a canoe and like was in the woods before was Ned Beatty out of all four of those guys. And I figured Burt Reynolds like had to have done that before, but he kind of plays into that because his character is kind of like a phony. Like he's kind mm-hmm. of just like a, he's just la- like LARPing to be this yeah. sort of survivalist dude. Um, and it turns out very quickly that he's just kind of a pansy and he doesn't really have, I mean, his leg looks horrible when he, and he when it breaks, it looks pretty bad. Uh, but like, he just kind of wimps out very quickly in any sort of like um, threat to himself, whether mm-hmm. as opposed to like other people, but um a lot of people say burt reynolds was like that also in the executives boardroom that he sucked his way to the top that's what i've heard from a few people now i wouldn't i wouldn't dare make that accusation about someone like burt reynolds but i've heard it and i i love burt reynolds i think burt reynolds is actually very underrated not just as an actor but as a director yeah uh sharky's machine is a very good fun enjoyable movie the end is like a weird comedy with him and Dom DeLuise. That's pretty good. And what he direct Gator. He directed Gator. That was maybe his first movie. He's great in that. Does good with that. So yeah, I like Burt Reynolds, but I'm just saying things have been said. <laughs> maybe change, right? Boogie Nights. <laughs> that's why somehow. <laughs> maybe that's why Boogie Nights hit too close to home. He didn't like it after the fact that he was in it. It could be. It very well could be. He's not, you know, he gets uh, I think a rap for being like a like a meathead or something, but that's definitely not Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds has good director sensibilities that yeah. probably weren't common with the type of man he portrayed himself to be. Yeah. You know, there's a very great clip also of him on I think it was like the Johnny Carson show or Conan or one David Letterman maybe, where he's just like punking Mark Summers from. Oh yeah. He was it double a, dare? Yeah, he dumps a cup of water on him, and they yeah, have he like, like a, punches him in the face with a but with a pie in the way. Yeah. It's the most aggressive pie to the face that's anyone has ever seen. So Ned Beatty was the only one that had like, uh, I guess, what would you call it? That experience in the in the in nature, and he's yeah. the one that gets. Yeah, what, what word can I use to not? <laughs> he gets uh, he gets loved upon uh, in this movie. Right? <laughs> that's what you would call it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a bit of irony there, I guess. A little piggy, piggy man. Well, who are you picking out from those four, Hans? I guess he's the most rotund one, the most yeah, the softest one. I guess that would, I guess I don't want to say makes sense because makes sense. <laughs> it's, so... <laughs> it's logical that he would be the one passed around, of course. Yeah, uh, all these actors are very solid, uh, especially I. You know, John Voight is another one. People take, especially in the media, people take jabs at John Voight all the time. When he was announced as part of the cast for uh, Megalopolis what was it the av club had a very snarky article like francis ford coppola's talented cast of actors and john void because he's just because he's you know he he's a right-wing guy and he works on like really horrible movies now 
and reads like teleprompters that are against Biden or something. It's well, sad Ray situation. Donovan legend. Oh, right. No, that's probably <laughs> the one respectable thing he's done in the past 10 years is Ray Donovan. But yeah, no, John Voight is so great. And I don't think he gets enough credit uh, as this kind of actor. Uh, is in Anything he's in, anything he appears in in the 1970s to like mid-1980s, you're going to get a pretty entertaining film out of that just as a result of his performance. Yeah. He kind of has like, um, probably not to the extent, but he has like a, almost like a similar trajectory as Jack Nicholson. Like his earlier, his earlier work is really interesting. Um, Midnight Cowboy is like probably one of my favorite movies. And he's like, I mean, he's like the star of that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, it was kind of working with a lot of interesting directors in that time as was jack nicholson but they hit like a at some point like in the 80s or like early 90s they hit like some sort of like i don't know like a wall or something and they're just that character for the rest of their life um but yeah he has like he had some good stuff early on he's well, that's a, I think yeah. that's the strongest part of this movie right how every character has like their own distinct personality and their own distinct thing going on i feel like a lot of the time when you read scripts or when you watch like modern movies, there's not a lot of time put into developing those characters before the story even starts. Uh, but everyone is very distinct here and you know exactly who every character is and how they will react to what's happening. And uh, I think that's what makes such a, because it, it is a very simple story, uh, but the fact that they all seem to have like a, uh, a personality itch and 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 even though they're friends they're not really the same you know uh makes it uh, a very straightforward story it's more interesting just to see them interact with each other and 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 how they will react with this bad situation that they're put in yeah totally and uh how do you guys feel about the fact that it kind of ends on an unresolved note I think that's like probably one of the best aspects of the movie. My like, I love that movie like from beginning to end, but the final 20 minutes is probably like the most kind of, I mean, ironically, it's like kind of the most intense for me. Hmm. I always love it when like characters are hiding something and they, they like kind of get away with that. They're, they've, they're hidden that they've murdered two people and they're going to live with that for the rest of their life. I think that's more interesting whether than just like coming clean because it's a little bit more realistic in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I, I think I pair this movie in my head pretty frequently with uh, Straw Dogs. Oh, I thought you were going to say Without a Paddle. <laughs> From, uh, you know, 2012, I think. With, uh, no, that was Seth 2012. Green. That was more like 2003. That was Seth Green, <laughs> Dax Shepard, Matthew Lillard. Yeah, it's pretty If that came out movie. in... 2012 that would have been part of like the american pie band camp fake sequel line yeah okay same movie though you know more or less yeah it just needed eugene levy and it could have been an american pie sequel uh yeah no i do you have any thoughts on uh, sam peckinpah or straw dogs jay well uh it's funny you mentioned that because like sam peckinpah was like uh he was like kind of up for directing deliverance and i for whatever reason he mm. wasn't chosen um and i think that would have been i think deliverance would have been a wildly different movie um 
than what it is now. I think John Borman kind of gives it a, a little bit more of like a, a he reigns it in probably more than Sam Peckinpah would have. He kind of just like, um, I don't know. He just like probably would have grounded it more. I love Sam Peckinpah. He's one of my favorite directors. And uh, I think Straw Dogs was like the first movie of his that I watched. And it's like a, it's like a five out of five for me. I love mm -hmm. that movie. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that this movie has been like parodied and uh, referenced in so many like credit card commercials in the years since. Like, oh yeah, the rape movie, the movie where they go out to the woods and they get ra raping Ned Beatty. Let's yeah. put that in the MasterCard commercial. We'll have the banjo sequence. It'll be so charming. It'll get people to sign up in mass. Yeah. I mean, that banjo sequence is pretty great, though. It's like a great way of starting. It got me hyped when I was watching it. I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Three minutes, four minutes of just this retarded child uh, matching or besting uh, this man with the banjo. So that was, that was cool. I wish there was a little bit more of that, actually, a little bit more, more backwoods rednecks uh just being dis disgusting i guess uh uh but yeah i think i i like this movie a lot i had seen it uh years before and i i didn't really remember much of what happens uh and now on this rewatch it's like a, yeah it's uh it's uh i i, I don't want to say five out of five but it's as close as it can be and i don't know if it's that thing of the the 70s where everything was so realistic and so uh small i guess and, and not no, nothing grandiose nothing um uh just closer to to real life i guess and these smaller stories that just makes it work a lot more than what starts happening in the in the 80s and 90s i guess what do you think is the drop-off point like what's the turning point as far as films go a lot of people cite heaven's gate i don't think it was heaven's gate I think when genre started becoming bigger, maybe when the horror icons started coming out and those movies became more uh, successful and more in the limelight, I guess, maybe. But when did Empire know, Strikes some... Back come out? Was that 1980? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Star Wars yeah. comes out in 77, but they hadn't taken the leap into, hey, we got to have like, you know, studios weren't thinking. I don't think they were all thinking we have to have a massive tentpole franchise. You had the Bond films for MGM, but that was the exception. You know, you had a, maybe a couple of Superman movies at Warner Brothers, but I don't know. Yeah. It was kind of uh, gauche to do a sequel to anything. Yeah. Star Wars ruined cinema. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, because then you that's... get Indiana Jones, you get... yeah everything so so i guess john williams and uh and uh uh george lucas fucking, george lucas why can i fucking think of george lucas ruined cinema yeah it's their fault and then steven spielberg made it worse right well all those guys were a pack you had coppola you had lucas you had spielberg and uh they were all hung up on japanese cinema kurosawa you know and mm. tried to bring that their version of that. And uh, anytime something great happens in cinema and it leaves an imprint where things change after that, it always like unwinds and creates a very horrible negative effect that continues <laughs> on. So Star Wars, The Dark Knight, uh, the first Iron Man movie, mm. these all spooled out into something really bad for movies. 
Because I feel like every time we've covered a 70s movie here, uh, it's always been just better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hate, I hate, you know, being a, I'm not a snob at all. I like, I like a lot of modern uh, movies, but I feel like the the way that they were making films back in the 70s, it's so much more interesting and, and so more, like, there's more of a craft to the filmmaking than, than what you mm-hmm. find any time after that decade. I think uh, the main thing that you see with movies from the 1970s is that there it's like the most honest decade hmm. as far as filmmaking goes. There's yeah. a lot of things that got tainted in the process with the 1980s. And then before that, also, because you're coming out of a particular era for film where the Hayes Code kind of set the tone for how you're supposed to make movies. And there was still that general vibe lingering up until the 1960s. I think they only did away with the Hayes Code in, what was it, 57 or something like that? I don't know. It was pretty late. So you have that sense of this isn't an art form. This is a commercial medium. And the 1970s, you get the perfect juxtaposition of those things meeting. And you can have deliverance be the MasterCard commercial and also exist as this great, dark, real film. Yeah. 68 is when they, they got rid of Wow, that was really 68. late. Okay. Yeah. But, but I guess that it really shows when you, when you watch a 60s movie, I, I'm not a huge fan of movies from the 60s and below. No, like. I, Midnight Cowboy, off the top of my head, is the only movie from the 60s that I think is solid. Yeah, they all kind of feel like they exist in the same universe that I can't relate to, and I can't. I maybe because I'm 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 not a a young person, but but I feel like it's it's very difficult to relate. It's very difficult to to uh, place yourself in those movies where they have those restrictions and in those stories and how everyone used to speak too, and and. Uh, at least personally it's always been very difficult for me to to get into those movies but as soon as the 70s start that that changes completely and i yeah i think every movie that we talked about in here that's from what 70 71 on i've I've really liked yeah I, i there's not really i mean even the bad ones are pretty watchable so yeah i completely agree with you uh jay do you feel any differently do you feel like there's a decade maybe we're just blind to because a lot of people, you know, I don't think it's just revisionism. People have been saying the 1970s is the best decade for film for as long as I can remember. But I, I would say that recently people have come around to the 1990s. And yeah. I don't think it's right to look at that as like a second wave of it. But there's some overlap there in terms of the creative freedom that was allowed within the, the studios and, and by even like micro studio heads that were on the come up at the time. Yeah, I... I'd say like the nineties were probably the closest because you had a bunch of like, you had a bunch of kind of like indie rogue filmmakers that just kind of didn't really care one way or another. They're just going to make their movie like uh, Robert Rodriguez, like Kevin Smith, even though he's at least kind of dead to me, but better uh, than ever is what I say. <laughs> well, well, what is this? Did you watch his vanity fair? talk for 30 i don't know why they said hey yeah we'll give you 30 minutes on our youtube channel to talk about how you had a mental breakdown and realized you were molested oh i didn't know that i i i think i saw like a thumbnail like clip that came up on my algorithm and i was like 
He's talking about trauma. I don't really care. It's Kevin Smith. Like, <laughs> Wait, he yeah, realized yeah. that that happened? How do you realize that happened? Here's what he said. Years later, because okay. I watched it. So I, I, this is speculation. I'm not. I don't know anything. I'm not in the know. I have a feeling that his wife left him, and he hasn't admitted that yet. Because mm. right after his daughter moved, because I'm a Kevin Smith fan, and I was part of his, uh, what is his thing? Hans, nobody, nobody here you? would know. No, 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 no. He has like a mug club subscription thing oh. where you get. But then I stopped because one podcast episode was literally him on a lawnmower for 40 minutes, not saying anything. It was just the lawnmower. And I'm just not crying. exaggerating. It was <laughs> just that. And I was like, yeah. I can't, even though it's only like a dollar a month, I can't do this anymore. So I was, was just out. smoking weed and bawling his eyes out. That's cool. That happened too. That happened too. He did a podcast the same day. His dog or something died, and he was just crying for twenty minutes, and then uploaded that. Right. I was like, uh, there has to be like a wall of space here between you, like the real you, and everything you put out there. And it seems like he struggled with that. And he actually talks about that a bit in that video, where he felt like he was existing through his persona too much and putting too much out to the public, and then something caused a mental breakdown. And I think it was that after his daughter moved out, him and his wife split and he moved into a movie theater in New Jersey, like the Phantom of the Opera. And he's just been there. He's been living there. He hasn't gone back to California as far as I know. And I, I think, think that's uh, what did it. It's a big problem when all you do is surround yourself with people that you're helping because no one's going to tell you to not do that, right? Like I can't imagine me recording a podcast where I'm just crying and 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 you or jerry not making fun or just being like what the fuck are you doing you know uh, so when you when you're someone like kevin smith who's brought up so many of his friends right with his comic book store and like everyone he puts in his movies that are not famous mm -hmm. uh you don't have anyone around to just be like hey maybe don't share that you know maybe i bet you i bet you people have said that to him but here here's the thing too he portrays himself as like this soft cucky guy but if you watch any behind the scenes footage of him directing, like, no, he's, he's a real director. He's not like shy to shut things down and voice his opinion. It, that is all a facade. Mm. So it's like David Lynch, like David Lynch has this persona of like, I'm just a spiritual guy in my little wood shop, you know, whittling away at some wood today. I'm going to make a boat out of wood. And then you yeah. watch him on the set and he's like screaming at the actors, oh, yeah. like, just it, shut the fuck up. What do you mean we don't have time? Like, he's yeah. pretty nasty. Those, um, those clips of him on the set of Twin Peaks season three, where he's <laughs> shooting yes. like a three minute long take and it's just a wide and it's kind of flat looking. Mm -hmm. uh, and then this, I think the AD, she's like, it's just some young California girl. She's like, are you, uh, are you going to? go in for coverage and then he's like what what, what is this like wh no i'm not like this is it's like what is it with you people i think he said that mm -hmm. at like one point yeah um, it's a it's a similar situation to that so he, he was talking in this video that because of his mental breakdown he checked into some care facility and he was telling a story about how some girl instructed him and another boy some girl who's like 15 to suck each other off when he was five years old and then this, this is where he like started breaking down in the video and he's like, yeah, I didn't realize that I was molested and this now changes everything in my life and makes sense of why I'm a director and 
What? Yeah, Is that why you're a director? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> suck anybody when off. <laughs> when are you getting your video <laughs> where you move into a theater in New York and you're just like, when I was five, uh, I was tricked into <laughs> sucking off the guy outside of a liquor store. Mm. Yeah, that's so weird to me. Again, why share? I he's always been very open with his fans and i get like he's i he's you know his dvds of him just just doing q a to his fans and whatever but i feel like it has to be a little bit of a boundary of like like you haven't made a good movie or haven't done anything interesting in, in a while and and now i guess this is what his justification as to why he's you know going through it and just there's some things that just people don't need to know you know yeah I had no idea he's not in LA anymore. That's news to me. That's kind of that changes a lot. Like I kind of want to go into that rabbit hole now. It, there's After a this. lot of interesting little speculations. Like yeah. he made Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which was about uh, Jay getting in touch with like his long lost daughter or something, played by his daughter, mm. Kevin Smith's daughter, because of some comments on instagram or reddit that were like you know she looks a lot like jason muse and not or, kevin smith or this show um. i said that <laughs> yeah. but yeah. anyway yeah so he's he's very aware of what people are talking about i guess and uh and i don't know i'm very interested to see what happens with his career next because he hasn't been as online he's like vowed to change that and he stopped smoking weed perhaps biggest of all so I don't know. There's a window of opportunity there for some sort of shift if he wants to get away from, you know, being a soy Disney spokesman. He needs to just get fat again. Yeah, maybe maybe it's as simple <laughs> as that. Maybe obesity yeah. is the quick fix here. Uh, Hans, you look skeptical. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's this, there's coming back for him. Uh, I don't know if this. I haven't seen the video. I'm not going to because half an hour of him just like crying. I'm, I'm good with just the pictures of him crying. I don't want to see it on video. But uh, I've been out of the Kevin Smith camp for years now. I don't know if there's any coming back unless he comes back with something interesting. But Clerks how many how many times have we said that though? How many times has it been like, oh, maybe the next one will be good, and then? Well, I like Clerks Three for yeah, the record. I, I have yeah. spoken praises about Clerks yeah. Three, in spite of its many shortcomings, and uh, you hating Clerks yeah. Three and being like, this <laughs> yeah. is horrible. Yeah, but uh, I, I think that was his best movie in many years. Which so is probably Tusk. Really, which is yeah, Tusk was twenty fourteen. That's uh, almost ten years. Not saying much, I guess. He's got a. Uh, Twilight of the Mole Rats is an upcoming movie, uh, which uh, be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a Mole Rat sequel. Because I guess everyone's asking for that. Thirty, is it thirty years later? Jason Lee could use it. Yeah, I mean, so could Jeremy or Jason. What they could all use it, to be honest. Ben Affleck, he looks like he's got a divorce around the corner. He'll probably need the money, you know. Shannon Doherty, what is she up to? Cancer. Huh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> There's you actually think, go ahead, sorry. Do you think Ethan Supli will get fat again for the for the He's sequel? like the biggest get of the movie <laughs> at this point. Because yeah. of his podcast, right? It's not even because of his acting. He's just he's got a like a, a fit fit. Just man people surprised man. whenever they see him. That's why. It's not even a pod it's just hey, an image of him popped up now. Can you believe it? 
No, I can't believe it. Okay. A-lister. I don't know. Who else is in that movie? Uh, what was that girl that was his girl? Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah. She probably needs it too. Wow, the cast is like seven people in IMDb. That's weird. Oh, no, wait. Hleh on. For uh, Mallrats too? No, that's the deleted scenes. I, for, for the, no, uh, Jason Lee, Claire Forlani. She's another one that disappeared. Um, Stan Lee. What is Stan Lee up to right now? <laughs> I think he's in the uh, process of being computer regenerated by Disney by, to appear in the Marvels yeah. coming to Disney Plus. Uh, Jeremy London, right? That was the star mm -hmm. of the movie. That he he probably needs some help too. He does. He definitely needs help. He was in Kino Corners movie, right? Yeah. So he so, uh, needs it. So uh, I guess good for Kevin uh, giving all of those people uh, another another thing to do. Thirty years after after that, I guess. Are you How about Deliverance too? Who's alive from that cast? John Voight. That's it. That's all you need. Fair Is John enough. Borman? John Borman's probably dead. Yeah, he's been dead. He hasn't directed in like fifteen years. I want to say. He uh, died. Hold on. <laughs> He, uh, he's, he's not dead. No, he's not. All right. So there's an opportunity. No. It could be like the Zoolander 2 of <laughs> 1970s uh, getting away films. Yeah, he's uh, 90, what, 91, I think. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. William Friedkin's directing. He just did, I think it was Mutiny on the Bounty, or no, the Kane Mutiny with Kiefer Sutherland. And it's going to be a direct to Showtime film, just like after Yang. That's kind of depressing, right? No, it's, it's inspirational, Hans. He's old and talented, and he's got Kiefer Sutherland. Mm -hmm. It's and good. Jason, Jason Clark. And, uh, and Jason Lance Clark's Red in it? Wait, Lance Reddick is in it. What is he, he brought up him to? back? <laughs> what is he up to right now? Yeah. Wow. Jay Duplass is in it. That's, that's, that's cool. Really? Right? That's an interesting cast. That's a good cast for a new William Friedkin movie. A scripted William Friedkin. We're not going to end on the devil and father or more. Thank God. Do you think this is going to be his last one? Yeah. I don't like what you said. <laughs> and yeah. and... Okay. he's old. He's too old. He's like 80. He can't walk anymore. I watched, you know, he used to be so like sharp and on the ball. If you ever see any William Friedkin clip from five years ago, even. But if you watch him now, he's kind of, he's still very with it. But physically, you can tell he's kind of done. Like, he, I think he did a Lincoln Film Center Q&A on Killer Joe or Bug or one of his more recent movies. Or maybe, no, no, actually, I think it was a, a cruising screening. And he just seemed very tired, very like, I got to go to bed in a few hours, you know? And uh, you hate to see him that way because he's always so like pointed and yeah, very clever. And bullying, uh, what's his name? Uh, your favorite, what's his name? Ne Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah, well, he's yeah, always yeah. a little bit of a bully. Like even there's a clip of him interviewing Fritz Lang and kind of like, pressing him about his story not adding up on when he fled Nazi Germany. So he's always had balls when it comes to dealing with other directors. Yeah, he's 87. Uh, 
So you're right. Maybe the the Kane Mutiny, Kurt Marshall, might be his last movie. It might be. I don't know. All right, hey Jay, do you like? Uh, are you looking forward to Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon at all? Yeah, um, it's probably my most anticipated of this year. Um, I think I, I was posting about it yesterday. It's kind of sad to see like him realize he's got like no time left, <laughs> but he still got he still wants to make like like as many movies as he can as he can. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I I was talking to a friend about the who read the book and he said like um the running time justifies that book cuz the book is just full of like a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. As long as there's no like uh I don't know, de-aging on Robert De Niro. Yeah, that that's was... the only reason why I want to see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing fight someone. Uh Master Gardener, did that ever come out? Uh, I might be going to see it in a couple of days. It's out. It's kind of out. He's doing like Q and A screenings, but they're not. I don't think they've properly released it yet. Oh no! It says May nineteenth. Okay. All oh, right, so, so two days from now it comes yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another old man movie that seems interesting. Who he might? looks rough. He looks like he's. I mean, if you saw any recent interview with him. Uh, I know he did the podcast, the Ion Pack, a couple of months ago, and he seemed like he was pretty lethargic with that one. He had to break and go to the liquor store midway through. Nice, which is pretty he great. Fuel. He needed his fuel. Look of at course. Him. But uh, there's been some uh, photos of him from recent interviews, and it seems like he's very tuckered out in his health. I don't know what's wrong with him. It could just be. I mean, he's like organ failure. Two hundred years old. How old is he? He's not that old. Really? Oh. Yeah, no, he's only like 70, maybe 70. He might be late 60s. It's just, it's what happens when you're very horny. <laughs> uh, it just ages you, it ages you way more. So, Paul Schrader still being horny on Facebook at uh, 76. Oh, wow. Yeah. He 70, oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Stop being horny, people, because that's what's gonna happen to you. <laughs> You're gonna look weird at seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh how many of those old man movies are are coming out? We just mentioned three. Is there any other old close to death director that you're like waiting to see a movie that's gonna be coming out soon? Might be the last one. Maybe well, not director, but Indiana Jones. Um like oh, those man. ancient ancient indiana jones on screen oh man yeah he's ready to fall apart taking too. second fiddle to a uh, phoebe waller bridge why is she getting all of these like big properties i know she got hired to do uh that last james bond film she did a touch-up on the script i believe and they want yeah. her to do the next one like direct the next one which seems ridiculous uh yeah. and then she's the star of this new indiana jones film why well, what have about you, have you seen Fleabag? No, that's why. I don't know. I've never seen, I've never <laughs> seen it, but I, I know that's like her biggest, like the most famous thing she's done. I have no idea what it is, but yeah, yeah, it's a weird, weird choice to to make your new. Uh, what's the the actress? She, what's the Harley Quinn actress name? Margot who Robbie. Wasn't, yeah, who was on everything for a while, just like. Just like the girl from Blonde was in everything for a while, and then they just got rid of her after Blonde. 
What's I just Spanish? I just don't see the appeal in her at all. I can see the appeal in Margot Robbie and Ana de Armas, but I can't yeah. see any appeal to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Right yeah. next to Indiana Jones. I don't. It, I don't no, know. it'd be like putting Lena Dunham in there. That's my. Yeah. She's just UK Lena Dunham. That's how I see it. Yeah. Or something like the Broad City Girls. The Broad City Girls and Indiana Jones. That that could have been a timeline. But no. I just um, feel bad for her. I mean, I feel bad to a point uh, for. Um, I was going to say Michael J. Fox. Well, I feel bad for Michael J. Fox too, but <laughs> but uh, for, for uh, Harrison Ford. But at the same time, it's like you don't have to take these roles, right? You don't. He might. Have... I don't know. He had a boom of taking on like everything offered to him in the past year. He did that uh, Taylor Sheridan show that's a spinoff of Yellowstone. He agreed to do this, and then he signed up for Marvel all in the same month. Oh, and he was in that Apple TV show where he plays a shrink. That's right. Yeah. So he must he must have like a severe debt yeah. he's taken on. And that's why he's doing all of this. Mm. But hey, oh. Jack's back. Jack Nicholson looks <laughs> better than ever. Man, he but he looked like shit a couple of years ago. Now he looks kind of good. Now he looks I, like Jack Nicholson again. Yeah. He's retired, right? I think he was forced to retire. Yeah, I think I don't we should know. bring him back. I think, I think it's out. time. A return of the Joker. That's what I say. <laughs> Put him in this Flash movie. Do one more reshoot. Yeah. yeah. Just DH his body and face. Nah, you don't need to. <laughs> I think it's fine as is. Uh, it would work. I think it would work. Maybe they do The Shining 2 after all these years. Maybe one flew over the cuckoo's nest too, and he actually lived... And he's just in there retarded and old now. <laughs> I think covered in, covered in food, just <laughs> yes. with tits. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's yeah. I I would like to see him have one final performance because that James L. Brooks movie uh, with Owen Wilson and I think it was Kate Winslet. That's a not good note to end on. Is off. that how do you know? Is how do it? you know with Luke Wilson? Ugh. Yeah. Paul Rudd. That's, yeah, it looks horrible. No, we could do better than that. He was supposed to be in the remake of Tony Erdman that was going to star and be directed by Lena Dunham back in mm. 2015 or so. That could have been good. And uh, obviously it's not what happened. I don't know. Do you buy, according to Bill O'Reilly good friend of Jack Nicholson, Bill O'Reilly, all those claims of his mental health deteriorating are false. Do you buy that? I, I mean, if you see him in those photos with his son, right, in those Laker games, he doesn't really look out of it. You know, he could look like those those photos that they got of him waking up or whatever, where he just looks like, like he, yeah, he's just coming out of bed and then the paparazzi he's just got him. staring at a plane for 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in those pictures, he seems pretty uh, there still. How old is he? He's about 80. He's like 86, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see him. On, you know, the last thing I remember seeing from him was that uh, about, Sh no, not about Schmidt. Was the Bucket List movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's still, I mean, that was, fuck, that was 2007. Okay, that was wow. like a while ago. And he still had it, I think. But yeah, yeah, that was, what, 20, that was 10, 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. 
Departed was right before that. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to see him kind of cross off like a Scorsese movie in his like filmography, like with The Departed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably his last great role in yeah. anything. There's so many lines in that movie where he, it's just so funny, and especially when he gets shot at the very end and he just spits, yeah, like gurgitates all that blood. It's just so funny to me. He's excellent. He's, I think he's the best. He's, in my opinion, Jack Nicholson tops it out as far as uh, actors go. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe they should have threw him in his cane in the cane mutiny, and you have an 87 year old man starring in an 87 year old man's film. That could have been the way to go. Yeah, I think we should reach out. Have him on the show. <laughs> yeah, let's reach out. Let's see if let's we can get him for the Mass State Lottery too. What is <laughs> he doing? Nothing. He's just going to Lakers games and being 80, whatever. Okay. Staring at planes for 12 minutes. <laughs> uh, maybe he can play your driver in the in the sequel. We'll just yeah. replace uh, Tom from that final. You know how they do that? Sometimes they'll connect the two movies immediately, but then you know something will be different. Like they'll change the A-lister. Like Kung Fury 2 suddenly has Arnold Schwarzenegger as Kung Fury. <laughs> Maybe we do that, and Jack Nicholson's just your driver, and he's got sunglasses on. He doesn't say yeah. anything. He doesn't drive. He's just there. He's just sitting there, uh-huh. looking forward. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. that's it. That's the method. <laughs> All right, I think that's been movies for today. Jay, thank you for coming on the program and talking about not just Deliverance, but a whole variety of subjects. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to direct people to any particular spot? When is your is your short film? Your short film's not public yet, right? Uh, it's not public yet. Um, I'm just I'm playing the festival waiting game, seeing what it gets into. I'm not. I mean, I've been burnt before, so I, I'm not really expecting a ton. Mm-hmm. But uh, I assume that'll be like released in the fall, sometime. So. And it's um, great. It looks great. Uh, the performances are very good. You did a bang up job with that, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Hans is H word name on Twitter, Lowrez WB on Twitter and Facebook. Patreon.com slash Lowrez. Join us in the $5 tier if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That has been movies for this week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>